0: The
1: Potential
0: Reviewing the latest in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more, this is Potential Picks.
1: Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Sokol. Today, we're reviewing the epic fantasy series *The Wheel of Time*, which premiered on Amazon Prime Video. This series is developed by Rafe Judkins, and it's based on the *Wheel of Time* series, the book series by Robert Jordan. So, Taylor, I must say, I did start to read the first book of the *Wheel of Time* series back in New York uh, in 2019. I remember reading a list of prominent fantasy series and this one had popped up and I thought, you know what, let's give it a try. I didn't realize, I think at the time that uh, it is a series of like 16 books and these are thick books, They're not small little reads.
0: Can, I, can you say commitment?
1: <laughs> yeah, quite a commitment. Uh, but Robert Jordan, who did write the series, he uh, got through so many and then he passed uh, and Brandon Sanderson came in to finish the final three novels. So yeah, I think it's like 14 novels in total. It's, it's, it's a huge series. So clearly there's a lot of room to, uh, a lot of material to go on if this show continues to be successful. But it was interesting to see that Amazon had picked up the Wheel of Time to be the original series they're going to put uh, this adaptation. Right now, it really does seem like there is a push again for fantasy. You know, I think, I think Game of Thrones definitely show the world that fantasy can be viable again, you know.
0: Especially as a TV series. I think there's a there was a big vacuum um when that left. Um and I think now there's kind of a look at what's going to be the next, you know, big thing. But now we're having these multiple series that shows I think the power not only that fantasy is still alive and well, but it does very well on the smaller screen.
1: Yeah. So today we're going to be reviewing season one of the Wheel of Time. This will be a spoiler review. Spoiler warning.
0: So uh, if you don't want to listen to this or haven't watched it, uh, leave. Even though if you're listening to this, you probably already know what it is. So, But there's those gluttons for punishment who like to just hear reviews and not watch shows. <laughs> well, I
1: think with every fantasy series, uh, as we kind of talked about also with The Witcher, there's a lot of names, a lot of places. They start to blend together. If you're watching multiple series at once, you know, we were kind of, streaming the witcher back-to-back two wheel of time there's a lot of similarities there's a lot of similar uh looks and type of people and names so it can be easy to uh, mix up all these things
0: and and with that and with that note if we do mispronounce words i hope the super nerds do not attack us you know please forget sorry us.
1: you know it's it's a lot and as usual with fantasy uh i feel like this has really been a thing ever since you know the the great tolkien the lord of the rings a lot of these places have just funny names and funny you know it's it's hard to pronounce but that's the point is you know that's their that's their stuff so taylor before we go into our true review of it what is a brief synopsis of the wheel of time
0: uh this series follows moraine who is a member of the Sedai, which is a powerful organization of women who channel the one power so essentially they're kind of uh in the same vein of witches, and mages, laws, yeah, mages, stuff like that, yeah, yeah, gypsies, whatever. Um, so she has a warder or a protector at she seeks a group of five young villagers from this uh, secluded town, believing that one of them is reincarnation of the dragon. who The which dragon. Is the dragon. Uh, and to the dragon, Bruce Lee. <laughs> uh, an extremely powerful Chandler uh, who broke the world at one point. So it's basically this, in every kind of fantasy, there's this one character that is is supposed to be, you know, the one who can either save the world or destroy the world. And the dragon reborn is prophesied to either, you know, do that, um, against this evil being known as the dark one, or once again, tear it apart. She doesn't know who this person is, uh, but she takes along these five individuals who, in, 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 the hopes that one of them could be that person.
1: Yeah. So I, from what I remember reading, I, I, I probably got through the first third of the book. There's a lot of elements of this series that if you, if you think of like how obviously a lot of, a lot of fantasy writers do influence each other. If you look at the very beginning of the this, this series, it's very reminiscent of Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's also very reminiscent of, you know, like you look at the Aragon series. Yeah, I, think, I think Christopher Pallone took influence from Lord of the Rings and maybe even this of time because you have your central characters. You have the mysterious figures come to town, the wizard figure, and then all of a sudden they are attacked. They're being hunted by what is essentially orcs. They're called Trollocs in this realm giant beast with these horns and they're very very powerful and they have to escape and make it out and you know the town is left uh you know broken and now it's the quest to get to a safe place to escape from these you know hunters but at the same time they have to figure out who of the five is the dragon reborn and along the way they're going to meet different people they're going to meet you know and as the classic fantasy series would go they eventually will be broken up You know, it's like there's going to be a point in time where they get to a place and the group will then have to go on their own ways to then come together again later in the series. Rosamund Pike here as Moraine, I think, was a great casting choice. You know, you need someone that's going to be very uh, strong and poised in this show. She is the central figure. And, you know, it's again with any of these generational shows, right? You know, again, like I think like going back to examples of like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. Where you have these new cast members that are playing the young ones, but the older, more wise, more strong are people you know, you know.
0: Yeah, and there's quite a quite quite a few in this uh series, and I think Rosamund Pike, she does a great job of, for this role, having this very strong presence, but also she plays that role, where you don't really know where allegiances lie. She comes in as like, I'm here to protect you, but. We don't know. Can we trust her? You know what? What is she all about? But she just has that commanding presence every time she's on the screen. You love every moment of it.
1: You have Nynaeve, Egwin ran Perrin, and Matt. Those are our five. Uh,
0: yeah. I wish we wish they all could be names like Matt because those are pronouns.
1: Matt's the easiest. It's not. It's not with two T's. It's one T. But um, those are our five characters. We have. Yeah, we have um, three girls, two guys, and they're going to go on this journey. To figure out who the dragon Reborn is. And you know. I feel like this show. I feel like this show had a strong start to it. It didn't really end the way it wanted it to. And I think the hard thing is that. It's. Uh, if they're going to have a 14 book series to get through. There's a lot to cover. I wonder how much they had talked about. Of shaping like what would season one be. How long could we take this show. You know is it a book a season. You know all that you know et cetera et cetera. But, some high points for me in this show that I thought were really cool. The way that they do magic in this, I think is really neat. It's kind of this uh, wispy white uh, way that it comes out of the hands. And like, it has, you know, like these long string effect. I think the way they visualize, uh, especially in terms of fighting, uh, especially Moraine, you know, has these really cool moments where she can like, thunder attack these trollocs or like full-on blast mode um and then of course
0: thunderbolt attack
1: you have like lan you know who's a warder who's really good with swords he you know does some really awesome damage in this but they have some really i think some of the best stuff in this series is when they get to these giant cities the way obviously it's heavy cgi but the way that they envision like these giant towers and the buildings it really reminds me of these like classic fantasy cities where it's just huge it's large like and especially they're going for miles and miles and days and days in the wilderness where there's nothing and then having these huge you know like towering places one of which though is not a very nice place you know i remember in episode two i believe it was or three they get to this big city where it's fully abandoned and the Trollocs don't even want to go in there. And they realize that they don't want to go in there because there's a darkness. There's a shadow there that if it takes over you, it completely devours you. Basically, you know, defeats you to dust. Um, But some of the visualization of that, I thought was really, really cool. And there's a couple in this, this whole, especially near the end, there's a giant city they get to that just really popped for me. But speaking of the action, I mean, I will say, this is not a show with heavy sex in it. There's some sexual references. There's not really language in this, but the action was violent. I think almost to The Witcher in Game of Thrones stance, they had the the very good gore for some of these fight scenes. You know,
0: none, none, none description you would often say about gore that it's great, but I completely agree. I think the car. I mean, episode one right away. You know, this is it's hit hitting you right there. The choreography was very well done.
1: So the Trollocs obviously are are. Are dark beings, but they have kind of like these lieutenants, if you will, called Fades, who are really creepy looking. They look like Voldemort with very sharp eel teeth and no eyes uh, with their hoods on. And I thought the way they developed those, the way they kind of show them throughout the series, I could have used more of those overall. I thought they were really cool. When we get to the last episode we'll talk about here in a bit, there was some discrepancy of what I thought was going to be the ending of, of those characters. But again, it kind of reminded me of the Ring Raves in Lord of the Rings. You know, this this haunted figure with the hoods and stuff. But I love that I loved the journey that some of these characters go on. You know, very much like in a fantasy where the five they start calling all these people in the town. One kind of goes off on a darker quest. One destined for something else. One for magic. One gets attacked at one point and licked by wolves, and then now has potential to be a werewolf or something that we have yeah, wolf exactly. power, you know, I like that there was a branching out of some things that I have not seen before uh, in a fantasy series, but what were some high points for you before we kind of talk about the big end arc of, of this season?
0: Uh, well, I definitely agree with all of your points. I also thought, you know, a big challenge is when you have um, a story and you're, your casting, I thought it was really well done. I like the diversity of the cast members, Um, You know, you've got some strong female leads, strong male leads. I thought the casting of the young characters, the young actors, uh, very well done. I think it's it's a challenge when you first kind of start in this. Um, I thought the storytelling for, you know, there's so much material, and though the names might kind of escape you, and you know, and you get learn a little bit more about it. I thought the world building was very well done. It's very straightforward, very easy to follow. I think sometimes this stuff it's challenging in fantasy, you know, films and shows kind of following what's going on and to really understand. So even uh, someone who's never watched any of this, uh, read any of the books before you're going to feel, you know, well taken care of as you're kind of handheld through this journey, as you go along with that. And uh, I did love the the creature design. I liked, you know, what they had going for that. And I thought, uh, yeah, the, just the just the beauty and the you know the camera work I thought was really well done as well. It's just very colorful, very vibrant at times, and then even the more scary and dark elements, there was a little bit of a dread, and I think they really kind of captured the feeling of each environment or each scene that they were trying to um encapsulate.
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of great shots in this. There was one particular I remember that was I think it was I think it was Matt and Rand who are together for a good chunk of the show reminded me again Lord of the Rings it looked like Frodo and Sam off in the wilderness it was a big kind of 360 helicopter shot of them walking but um, obviously we get to a point in the show where we have what the world believes is the dragon reborn and again the whole plot point of the reason why men were no longer included in the, the a- 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 Aes Sedai was because it would drive them to this madness and uh, would come to a darkness and that was a cool high point. I think episode four was this big you know, they had him captured in uh, Logain, who he was using very dark magic is what it felt like. Uh, so clearly he was not the true dragon reborn, but this madness had taken over him. And also just the, I thought it was interesting that I totally forgot about this in the book that although there's plenty of people in the world that rely on the Aes Sedai and they're, they're you know, they're group and their hierarchy there's also this whole other army that is going through interrogating people and brutally killing them cutting off hands cutting off stuff to you know basically end the race of Aes Sedai which i thought was it. so again these warring nations not everyone's on the same page of what uh you know but clearly moraine is trying to do her job to find the dragon reborn to end the dark one to prevent him from coming back into current day, and we do get to the, I guess you could say, like the you know hierarchy of, of this rate, you know this group, we do get um, a little callback to one of our favorite movies, uh, a great actress who's done plenty, uh, but Sophie Okonedo is in here as the Emerald Seat. Uh, she plays kind of like the head of the Aes Sedai Order, uh, which was really fun, and I do agree. They all have a different color choice of their outfit. You know, green, red and blue are kind of the main, uh, which kind of reminded me of Sleeping Beauty a little bit. You know, the, the choice in that it and it pops like everyone has their, their color choice and it does affect your magic type. I think a little bit of what you choose, but clearly this guy is not the true Dragon Reborn. Uh, we realized that that was a false thing. So we're still on this journey and we know we have to get to the big again. It reminded me of this big we had to get to the big fort because out in this wilderness is this this giant creepy set of branches reminding me a little bit of Sleeping Beauty again. Yeah. Uh, the, the blight.
0: The Briar Patch. The Briar Patch, the evil briar the briar
1: patch. patch yeah. <laughs> the blight. The blight. The blight. blight. The blight uh, is growing in this dark, swampy forests that uh In the middle is where the Dark One would come back. And we're getting to one of you is definitely the Dragon Reborn. Well, we know that Rand has been having these visions and he knows that it's him. And he decides to go with Moraine into the Blight, just the two of them, while the rest are left at home to try to defend this giant fort from this army of Trollocs. And I must say, that was some badass stuff at the end, having this giant battle again Helm's Deep had to have been an influence there because they're in this giant fort with only arrow shots you know and I get it it's like influence influence but we must honor the original uh but what do you think of the whole ending we get this we actually find the the visualization the human embodiment of the dark one Ferris Ferris uh plays him in this and he's really trying to entice Rand to come to his side to join the dark
0: I think, yeah, I think it's a bold choice to kind of, you know, it's a, you know, an, an all great cinematic takes of a villain. You don't show the villain, you know, right off the bat. So it was interesting. I wonder if that's like his true form or whatnot. You think of all the greats, you know, Star Wars, we didn't see the Emperor so much later, you know, you think of, um, Sauron, we didn't really know he We just saw an eye in the sky. Uh, you know, even, even Voldemort had a little time until we get to see his little, um, snake-like nose face. So, you know, I, I thought that was a very bold choice. I really, I like that kind of look. I thought that, and going to the battle was really incredible when you got all the channelers and then using the Thunderbolt to basically obliterate um, the Trollocs. So and I thought was just really cool to see that, like, effect. I mean... I, I major props that they're having this budget; they're able to show like quality CGI right off in the first season. Because sometimes it's tough with shows like they don't give it the budget; it's due. so it's like Until, nice yeah, see, season yeah, two, yeah, exactly. It's like oh, you you proven yourself. Season two will you'll make it you'll look better than you know paper and um, uh backdrop. So this was really cool. So that and was... It was
1: creepy when they're like they've used they so much power that then they, their eyes start to burn.
0: I know they look like they look. They look like the bad guys in uh, Doctor Strange, you know, Kyselius yeah. and all those guys. Yeah, they're
1: basically <laughs> sacrificing themselves. But uh, obviously, Rand with Moraine are able to, he, he, he goes against the Dark One and they've essentially captured him in this crystal kind of thing. Like they've, they've kind of imprisoned him where he is. There's a crack in the big circle area in the middle of the blight. Um, so he's put at bay for now I'm sure he's going to come back but Rand knows he needs to continue on his journey to figure out exactly how he is the Dragon Reborn what he can use of that power to harness that power and so it kind of yeah it did leave season one off with you know all of our main five with the exception of Matt because Matt did not choose to go into the final battle he decided to stay now remember Matt Matt took that dagger in that one area, the prisoner that was all hooked up in the, the 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 hanging prison there, uh, which made him go into a very dark state. I think he's still having the effects of that. So we saw him left off going towards the G, the big white city with the the darkness in there. So he's gonna go on, I think, down a dark path for a while. But Perrin, you know, has got his wolf stuff going on and Egwin and Nenev are all they—they they basically are ice to die, or they're gonna, you know, rise to the ranks of that.
0: It'll be interesting to see, you know, what what happens to them if they end up choosing their color, and you know how that's going to affect their relationship. Um, but uh, and we're left off with this very interesting, you know, kind of cliffhanger as you see um, all these ships come in uh, to shore. And all of a sudden you have all these channelers using this magic, these giant waves, like almost like tsunamis are coming in. Like they're like, so
1: this is poor little girl on the beach. And she's just like, I'm just playing with shells here. You know what? The that's a high up? wave. <laughs> exactly. So clearly a new enemy force, uh, potentially. Well, we're not sure. But yeah, I wonder, you know, a second season was announced back in May of last year. So uh, we do know we're going to get a second season. But again, it's like, I wonder how far this series can go with the legs it has being that it is 14 books. So you got plenty of material to draw from. I can't see it going 14 seasons, of course, but definitely a few seasons. And I think now that they have their groundwork, let's go bigger, let's go bolder uh, moving forward. Because again, there's so many Trollocs, you know, in the very beginning of the the show, we thought there was only one of those fades. There's clearly multiple of these things,
0: you know, they're like, there's
1: like 40, 60 fades out there and there's yeah, and I wanna, it's like, I wanna,
0: wow. I want to take some more time to explore that and see a little bit more, a um, little bit of past and also a little bit exploring this relationship with the Emerald Seat and uh, Moraine because they're, they're, it's going to interesting to see how that comes to head as they have this secret romance going on. So lots in store for this, you know, I'm excited to see what happens next. Definitely going to tune in for season two. Uh, But that was this review of The Wheel of Time, which you can go back and watch all eight episodes of the first inaugural season on Amazon Prime. And that was this edition of Potential Picks.
1: Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on
0: Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email the Potential Podcast at Yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes
1: on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember
0: know, know your, your potential. potential.